Let's go focused. Breathe. Now pull the thing up. Go, 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 go. Up. You've got it, Rorden. You've got it. Stand. Stand up. Very good, mate. Well, Rodden, I think it was one of the uh, personal development gurus, possibly someone of the, the Tony Robbins ilk. Yes. Who, uh, He's a large man, Tony. Big man, big hands. Big hands. Yes. Uh, said that the quality of your life is directly related to the quality of the questions that you ask yourself on a regular basis. Yes. And I think he posed a very, very appropriate and, mm. and high-quality question pre-show. Yes. And that was, how bad can it be? Yeah. I mean, uh, in the deep end, Tom. Yeah, that's right. Sink or swim. Surely the show can't be that bad. No, look, Tom, uh, it has its uh, ups and downs, mate, and uh, today will be a uh, an up. Well, let's hope so. Yes, let's fingers, hope so. Fingers and toes crossed. I'd like to just send a bit of a shout-out to uh, one of our listeners, Kurt Simpson. Oh, yeah. Gordon, who likes to uh, write, simpo. write little posts and, and things at various times, and he said, um, he said, I'm like a pig in poo every Monday morning. Hearing that intro is like unwrapping a Christmas present. Yeah, right. Not just any Christmas present either. The biggest one under the tree with a glorious curly red bow on it. Oh. It's quite glowing. Yeah, very nice. It brings back those memories of Christmas when uh, when you actually really... Enjoyed Christmas. Enjoyed Christmas. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't all about eating. For me, uh, Christmas just passed was all about this uh, horrific cheat day. Yes. And memories. Yeah, there would have been a lot of custard consumed, no doubt. Clump eh, Sultana's in there. Yes, that's right. It was, it was a big day. Mm. A lot of calories. My current nutritional coach, who's, yes. who works with uh, Andre Benoit over there, his name's Dan Garner. Yeah. He's a strength coach and nutritionist, and he's got me on the medjool dates. Yes. And uh, I'm not sure if you've actually tried one of those, mate. Oh, you haven't offered me one. <laughs> well, <laughs> how would I try one? <laughs> you, you sit there in front of me, eating your carbs. <laughs> Well, yeah, not, I said it, the C word. It's not part of your nutrition plan, mate. No. But um, to have these dates pre-workout, mm, mm. I didn't realise that a, a substance from nature could actually taste so much like confectionery. Yes. Yeah, they're beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> they're so yeah, tasty. like you're uh, a bit of a soft spot for the old... Uh, yes. The date. I think they'll be staying in the plan yeah. even when they're oh, not. Oh, mate, that sounds crazy. Next if you're saying you have a chalky milk after training. Well, I'm just following the doctor's orders. <laughs> Just following hey, the doctor's orders. I'm going to have to follow that nutrition plan myself. All right, right what's on. happening today? We've got a big show coming up on this one. It's a bit of a fat loss theme today, mate. Uh-huh. We're looking at various methods related to fat loss. Yep. Our special guest, we're going in-house this week, education uh, manager Stefan Inev. The guru himself. He, he'll be coming up into the studio to talk about the physiology of fat loss. Yeah. It's something that we have been over before on the program, yep. mate, but we'll get the expert to really... You know, the nuts and bolts of it. Nuts and bolts. Yep. All right. Those what three, else? Yep. Okay. So what else? We're going to revisit the refeed. Yes. This is very controversial. Very controversial. Yes. We're a big fan of the refeed. Now been, we'll, we'll give our spin on it. That'll be quite interesting. But does it work the way we think it does? Yeah, we'll, we'll discuss we'll, that. That'll be interesting. Refeeds. Our supplement of the week... Uh, after Francine Savard on the program, she did mm. mention uh, Uhimbi, and we've mentioned Uhimbi ourselves a couple of times yeah. on the show. I know Stefan, uh, you said's coming on. He's a big fan of Uhimbi. As he well. likes the Uhimbi as well. So we're going to have a look at that as a supplement. Now it's not actually legal in Australia, no. uh, although you managed to get your hands on it somehow. But Easy. You're a guy who knows how to get things. Yes, it's for my uh, 
IFBB competitors. That's correct. Yeah. yeah, interesting. So we'll have a chat about that, where it comes from, what it does, how it can send you into a very <laughs> anxious panic attack <laughs> Just, yes. when you uh, climb a set of stairs uh, and yeah, yeah. jump on the train. Yep. A raft of health concerns associated with the Yahimbi. And then, of course, we'll spin Cam's wheel, the, uh, the hugely successful... Yes. Under the bar, Wheel of Fortune. Can't wait to spin that one. I'm squashed up to the side now. Yeah, right. So that's the show. Righto, mate. Under the bar, the Clean Health Podcast with Rawdon and Tom. You've just come back from uh, a highly cortisol-inducing stint down at Melbourne for the Arnold Classic. (laughs) (laughs) The cortisol was flowing. (laughs) You're so stressed. I thought, I'll get get down to Melbourne, spend a few days down there with competitors, float around the expo a little bit, check some stuff out, have a nice break from the CHPC. Yeah, maybe a few people recognise me. Hey, you're (laughs) the guy up under the bar. None of that, mate. No. You drowned in a sea of cortisol. You came back looking flustered. Your hair was all rough. A bit of three-day growth going on. Yep. yep. How did they go down there, mate? Mate, it's uh, so a bit of a competitor wrap. Is that yes. what you're after, Tom? Yeah, let's okay. have that. Well, let's start with uh, Alex. Alex Thompson. Backing up his uh, national uh, and state win at, at, at uh, nationals there uh, in October gone. So he was um, had a good shot at getting his uh, pro card. But of course, uh, Alex being Alex, he likes his fair share of, uh, you know, a rocky... Uh, <laughs> Standard. Journey to the stage where Standard. you know his body won't do what it does, yep. uh, what it should do, and and um, actually he's, he's pretty similar to everyone else. Actually, uh, it's never that easy to get someone um, on stage. But yeah, remember our listeners remember he had uh, a case of pneumonia where he was in <laughs> intensive care and uh, it was actually uh, quarantined there for a while. Yep, a contagious uh, form of a pneumonia there around New Year's Eve and a bit of a relapse after that. Touch of the Ebola's. Yeah, so and we had to sort of take the foot off the gas pedal, and uh, you know he had a, a good ten days off where he did nothing there mm, for a while, mm, and mm. Um, went back had scans. Uh, everyone, our listeners will know all that, but he placed second. So okay. in in open um, tall uh, men's physique at the IFBB Arnold Classic, the inaugural Arnold Classic, first time in Australia. So in a really tough thing, it was about thirty guys in his uh, huge. Mm. Uh, he placed uh, second, so narrowly missed uh, the the gold or the first place, which would have then put him up uh, against the short and medium class winners of physique. Yep. And those three winners, uh, whoever won though uh, out of the three, uh, got a pro card. Mm. So there was a guy that did um, grab a pro status there on the weekend but unfortunately it wasn't Alex but second place considering what he actually did and the condition that he presented and um, the muscle mass that he had it was it was phenomenal effort by Alex so really happy there um, next was uh, in the same division was uh, client Nick Nick Sim yep. so he did really well um, I guess the goal for him was to present a competitive physique and, and Nick uh, previous times he seems to flatten out and, and, and lose a bit of the the size and um, a fullness on the day and the conditioning uh, a little bit off on the actual day so the final week he seems to um, his prep doesn't always go according to plan so for him it was all about presenting a competitive physique with a more muscle mass and better condition than what he was last time and we certainly did that yes he looked phenomenal and you will have to look at a, a few pics of the, the Alex and Nick together and you thought you know, Nick actually uh, you would have given him the nod on the aesthetics and just on the pure aesthetics of the physique I, yeah, mean, so I know Alex is brilliant at uh, the, the presentation side of things um, whereas perhaps Nick isn't quite as hasn't no, crafted that, the art as much. Well, that was uh, Nick's physique was fantastic, great uh, aesthetics, nice uh, broad V taper, uh, ticks in all the boxes. But his presentation, which as we've spoken about with with physique and 
the you know for the female uh, bikini and um, figure girls it, it really does influence uh, what happens on the placings mm. so he got top 10 out of again a huge lineup so Not that bad. was that was still pretty good for him and, yep. and the physique was uh, really uh, dialed in um, so it was just his posing a little bit so that's an easy fix back to the drawing board he's really keen for nationals at the end of the year doing some damage there nice. Alex uh, I think will probably have the year off and do uh, Arnold's next year mm-hmm. and have a real good crack at uh, getting that pro pro card yep um, but of course, course uh, eight weeks out he'll probably break a leg or yeah, you know, yeah. fracture his wrist something like he'd, that he'd yeah. be on stage in a wheelchair or something like that but standard we'll, we'll see uh, then I had um, uh, Paul Grinham so uh, Paulie your mate up. yeah my mate Good mate, Paulie. He was up in uh, classic men's classic bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. So the only bodybuilder I had in this show. Uh, unfortunately for him, there was a bit of a. Uh, so with classic division, it's a um, it's a calculation on your height, you know, uh, minus whatever, plus whatever. Yep. So your height dictates what weight you can actually be for that for that uh, class right. in, in classic bodybuilding. Yes. So for him, uh, a long story short, yep, was he had to uh, drop another three kilos uh, from oh. where he was. So he was obviously pretty concerned about that and the, the cortisol really started flowing about then so we went back to the drawing board and uh, lots of in and out of the sauna fortunately had a sauna at his um, apartment yep. uh, complex we got him to make weight weight in the following morning um, and then he actually still made it to stage the the following day mm-hmm. uh, on Saturday there at the Arnold's Men's Classic but unfortunately the the in and out of the sauna the lack of uh, water obviously couldn't eat anything couldn't drink anything because yep. he had to make weight Yes. so that took its toll and um, he didn't quite nail the condition that he was bringing into the comp Yep. Um, he had good size but uh, the condition was, was off and uh, a lot of uh, associated fluid retention from the from the abstaining from the water for so long and also in and out of the sauna just sort of th- screw things up for him. So yeah. unfortunately, a bit of um, uh, a turn of events that didn't sort of go in our, our favour at the favorite. end. Yeah. But, so, you know, listen, learn. Um, you really need to be meticulous with your with your stats and, and make sure you are going to, you know, yes. sneak. The, the whole thing is, Tom, is, you know, you want them to be right at the top of the limit, you know. Yeah. You want to just scrape under yeah. so they're the biggest, one of the biggest guys on stage. And mm. that's what we did, but we misjudged, misjudged it. So... As I understand, Rodan, he had to have, had to lose a little bit of weight in the last five days leading up to it yes. anyway, and then you yeah. had to chuck on an extra, mm. lose mm. an extra three kilos on top of that. So when you're actually going through the process of stripping weight from someone, it's just essentially fluid and, and water that's coming out of the system? Yeah, yeah. So um, from, get, from within the muscle cells, from subcutaneous beneath the skin? Yeah, basically dropping the hydration levels down yeah, yeah. to make weight. But also for him, he, he was carrying too much muscle mass, so just to, to make the weight category, we had to run him dry, you know, aminos, anything that could support <laughs> recovery, all the things that we tell our listeners they should do, yeah. uh, which also takes its toll. You know, we had to essentially lose some muscle off him as well, so he yes. would be within striking distance of that weight when we did cut water. Cut and, water and everything. And uh, mm. everything else. So, very, very stressful on the body, mate. Yeah, yeah. And... and and that was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back for his physique, and then it, it, it didn't uh, dial in like the way we wanted it yeah. to. So, yeah, um, it doesn't always work out. Uh, but, you know, he's uh, chin up, and, he, and like I said, credit where credit's due. Anyone else, uh, if I told you, Tom, okay, you've just dropped... Uh, <laughs> You just dropped three and a half kilos in the last couple of days, and well, you're going to go drop another three before you can get on stage. Yeah, I mean, and you're already four percent body fat. Yeah, yeah, I mean, how, how's your headspace going to be? Exactly. So he, he, you know, chin up. He knuckled down and um, followed the plan, and he, and he got it himself on the stage. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, out of all the guys, he probably dug deep the, the, most. the most. So credit, credit to Paul there. Yep. And of course, there was Maya. Uh, so she won uh, Australasians. So yes. uh, first time competing the IFBB, first time in women's physique. 
so she won uh, the uh, weekend prior, the Australasians, uh, first in her division, fantastic, presented well, amazing physique, aesthetic, condition. Uh, then she, the Arnolds, placed uh, sixth out of a 15 or so girl lineup, I think. So narrowly missed out on the on getting the top five and uh, even the top three. I gather it was quite close, and I had to count and recount. And um, basically, conditioning-wise, she was up there with the the best on the, uh, in the division, uh, but just lacked a bit of uh, muscle mass. So mm. some of these girls really had a lot of muscle maturity. They were older girls. So for Maya to compete, you know, she's only 26, so compete in a couple of years of training with that much muscle mass, that's a big ask. And although she brought the condition and the stage presence and probably presented one of the, the, the best on stage as well, it wasn't quite enough to get, give her the nod and, and they went for more muscle mass with, you know, obviously the aesthetics and everything else was adequate. Yep. Although you could argue that, that Maya, you know, um, you know, ha- had a better package, but you know, at the end of the day, muscle is uh, what it's about uh, yep. to a degree. So um, the other girls got the nod over her. So back to the drawing board for her, and she's uh, hungrier than ever to um, put some additional muscle on. And you know, she's one of those girls that actually does want to put muscle on. You know, yeah. most girls, are like, I don't want to get big, and she's like, I want to get big. Yes. So great for her, and I'm um, really looking uh, excited to see what happens to her physique over the next 12 months. So that's a wrap-up for my guys at the Arnold Classic weekend, Tom. Well done, mate. Okay, mate. Righto, mate. So three or four episodes ago, we had a bit of a discussion about refeeds and how we like to use refeeds with our clients. And, of course, ourselves, Rawdon, over the years, we've done some of our own transformations and got our body fats down quite low and, and over the the course of that process strategic refeeding has always been a significant part of of that process yeah but um you know i guess on the show we're not too big to sort of go back and have a look at what we've done in the past and reassess things and yeah. when new information comes to light yeah we can then reassess things and, and move forward and there's some interesting science that's Suggests that maybe the refeed isn't doesn't play as a significant role as what we first thought in terms of, yeah. you know, boosting uh, metabolism and uh, those regulating thyroid and all that sort of stuff, leptin levels and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It certainly does have an effect, but maybe not as a significant one as what the bodybuilding community has led to believe for years and years and years and years. Yeah, I mean, from what I have heard and what I've read of late, it's something along the lines of yes, it does reset metabolism or, or increase the BMR or reset BMR but it's only during the refeed or for a short duration afterwards and then it goes back down to uh, what the pre-refeed basal metabolic rate or, or metabolism was so mm-hmm. you do get an elevated an elevated metabolic rate but it's probably due to the thermic effect of food just breaking down all the, the calories that you're consuming and, and leptin levels do reset, they do um, uh, increase. Yep. Uh, but it is sh- short-lived and then they, they go back down to being quite low. And then the obviously the, the concerns of uh, low leptin levels and um, a starvation mode that the body's in, they're then back in place. So there's yes. a, the stalled fat loss scenario is then uh, taking effect again. Yeah. So the whole reason why we've sort of brought this segment or brought this topic back up is you've been doing some consults with a guy who isn't a huge fan of the refeed. Yeah. My current nutritional coach doesn't like the refeeding method, so we thought, well, let's let's you know let's have a look at it and see what what actually goes on because I guess the process of prolonged fat loss 
is not necessarily linear. So it will work initially, obviously, and then there is that slowing of the metabolic rate and all the negative effects of uh, fat loss start to kick in. And traditionally, the refeed has been used to sort of cut all the down regulation off at the past and and reset things up. And what we do know from in the trenches and just having done it is that refeeding certainly does prolong the duration that someone can be in a hypocaloric state yes and and so it does certainly play its role yeah and i guess what we're getting at is that for prolonged fat loss ultimately what you're doing whether it's with refeeding or just very gradual micro increments of caloric restriction either way you're looking at mastering the metabolism and basically keeping all those fat burning stimulus thyroid function leptin levels and basic metabolic rate mm. um working in your favor yeah yeah exactly and i think that's uh i mean we were sitting there thinking about this and that's what conclusion that i came to you probably you know you are prolonging that that down regulation of thyroid and that that uh, inevitable plateau that that will creep up on you mm. you know by having the refeed but you know, the other, you know, significant thing, and in, in I think Meadow spoke about this when we had uh, him on, is the, the psychological, yeah, the physiological, there is an increase in uh, leptin levels, and we do have a, a, an upregulation of um, the metabolic rates, and metabolism does increase to some degree. It, it, it's uh, uh, now suggests that it is quite short-lived, and, uh, and things are going to slow back down when the body's in that, like you mentioned, that hypo or very low caloric state. But uh, psychologically, you know, I mean, yes. you're gonna the, the individual is gonna train harder. Yep. And after they've had the refeed, you know, uh, invariably you're going to, and if you do it strategically, you actually train before you have the refeed. Some sort of uh, glycogen depleting. I mean, you're glycogen depleted anyway. But if you do a little little extra before you actually shovel in the the, the carbohydrate, primarily carbohydrates with the refeeds, because that has been shown to have the most significant effect on on leptin levels. Yes. But if you do have a a depletion high rep uh, lots of lactic acid slow concentrates really fatigue the muscle and we know that the glycogen replenishment is is after six hours it's it's uh, yeah. uh when the doms kicks in you know it's very hard to upload glycogen thereafter so if you do train and deplete and then start your refeed and load up your glycogen stores then then yeah okay from a leptin uh, basal metabolic rate uh, those sorts of factors yeah okay it might reset thereafter but you're loaded with glycogen and you're going to punch out some pretty exactly. pretty mental sessions thereafter and uh just that psychological benefit and you know i, I talk about this all the time in the the anabolic window and you know i talk to clients and and you know it's been proven that the, the window lasts i think 24 hours as long as you get mm. you know nutrients in within that period then the, the amount of muscle protein synthesis that will occur will be similar if you get it in 10 minutes after training or yep. you know, four hours after training but now my point is you know i'm training you you're pushing brutally hard in your session and you know that you got a you know a nice i mean what do you go at the moment you got you got a chalky milk and uh yes. you know some rice and cream of rice or, or whatever it is your carbohydrates and your protein don't tell me you're not gonna you know bust your, your balls so to speak uh, balls to the wall ha- harder than you would train if you if you're not going to eat for you know something for six, six hours it's like yeah no you're going to eat but it doesn't matter you know it's six hours before you have a feed so yeah, yeah you're going to get the same muscle mass well you're going to elicit much more damage to the muscle because you're going to be training that much harder knowing yep. that you're going to get that that refeed meal or, or the the post uh, workout nutrition in mm. like so from a psychological and a, and a training uh, intensity perspective it would surely you, you're going to train harder which would equate to increase 
muscle mass. Exactly. So yeah, I, I think the science in a, uh, you know, is good to know. And, and those times that you don't manage to get your nutrition in, you're going to go into a meeting and things like that. Yeah, don't you, stress about don't it. Don't stress about yeah. it. But in those times that you can actually get all your, your, your you know, the nutrient timing will play a, a significant role on, on your success. Yes. I, I think so anyway. I, I, I know agree. Meadows and, and quite a few in the industry. Um, certainly, certainly Milos does as well. Nutrient timing is, is essential. Mm. Right on, mate. So we've mentioned leptin a couple of times throughout this whole bit. So we'll, we might just give a brief overview of exactly the role that that plays in the whole process of prolonged yeah. fat loss and what it does. I guess at a very basic level, leptin has two primary roles in terms of fat loss. One, it controls metabolism. So it either lowers or increases your energy expenditure based on the body's perceived energy availability yep so but also your body fat stores too so preside wherein body fat is basically stored energy yeah and then i guess it inhibits appetite as well so it's the hormone that gives the brain the yep. i've eaten enough got enough energy on board everything's Stop fine eating so if we say body fat basically is stored energy then that is the the body will perceive that as the energy that is available yep. if body fat's low leptin will slow the metabolism and increase the appetite Yes. If body fat levels are high, then the opposite will occur. Mm. You've mentioned the carbohydrates has a greater effect on stimulating leptin. Yes. And basically, the body perceives the presence of insulin as an indicator that we've just been fed. And then the, the fat cells which release leptin will respond to that insulin response. That's why the, the carbohydrates play a significant role in resetting leptin levels. Yes. And so certainly once you've been in that um, hypocaloric state, training hard and you go for that refeed, that initial burst of carbohydrates certainly will have a, an impact in resetting leptin levels. Yes. And then you get all the benefits that are associated with that. Even if the window is only smaller, it does still then prolong that period of, of uh, fat loss. Yeah, and uh, you might also want to mention that um, in theory, low leptin levels, low uh, metabolic rates. Yes. Um, and obviously, when someone's very lean, obviously that's going to occur much quicker. Yeah. You know, the, the leptin levels and that that star perceived starvation mode will occur far more swiftly. That's why often you, you you'll refeed every two to three days or have some sort of metabolic reset and attempt to, of course, every two to three days. Much more frequent because you know if you if you do it too long, you, you know I've done it with with clients. There's there's just no fat loss. Like you, you go too long and that the leptin levels do lower metabolic rate lowers and then although they're doing all the, the training in, in a caloric restricted state there's just no fat loss mm. so i have noticed that when i put more frequent refeeds in then yeah that that that, that reset does have a significant impact on reducing body fat so from an in the trenches perspective it certainly does play a role but uh, uh, it's worth mentioning that you know um that leptin levels uh on you know obese people are often ultra high yes and they're actually leptin resistant so the the brain's not getting the signal that they're that they're actually full or that have enough energy so they they actually you know the the, the body actually has this this desire and this yearn for for to keep calories eating. Exactly. Keep eating. So yeah there's really plenty of leptin circulating because there's so much fat to secrete it yes but the reception in the brain is just not happening yeah so leptin resistance that's very common with uh, with their obese so you know although we might sort of say you know it's their fault they keep eating well you know it's physiologically it's uh it's very hard for them to stop because exactly. uh, they, they don't have that response like you and i have so you mentioned more frequent refeeding with some of your clients and i guess this is what it comes down to in terms of figuring out when a refeed is actually needed and it'll be different from person to person so 
I guess is one of the arts of coaching is actually figuring out with a client how long they need to be depleted down and yeah. um, the duration of the refeed, whether it's just one meal or whether they get several days of it, and then yeah. how long you go b- between the next one mm. will all be um, a bit of experimentation for a period of time until you figure out the the system that really works for a person. Yeah, and I, and I find that the closer to comp uh, or the more depleted a, a client is, the, the longer the days. Like I, if I think I mentioned before, like with, with Meyer and uh, with Nick and Alex, there'll be multiple days of... Uh, now the calories, it's not like they eat, they eat whatever they want. I mean, it's calculated. So yes. it's only slight, either their basal metabolic rate or, or a slight surplus, 20, 30% over what they should be consuming on that given day, mm. rest day. Um, and But they'll have multiple days. So one day uh, I've done and it didn't seem to have a significant enough impact on resetting the metabolic rate. But then two to three days, I uh, uh, find that two days, sometimes three, depending on how depleted they are or how long the stint's been before you gave the refeed um, will really influence things. And yeah, like you said, it varies from person to person. Mm. Um, I will quickly mention that, that one of the clients that was going to uh, make it to the stage ended up not making it to the stage. And... and um, that was Steve and, and phenomenal physique, and I'm sure he would have, you know, been amazing in, in men's physique this time around. But, uh, you know, he pretty much had that scenario where the metabolic rate slowed for him to the point where, you know, bodily functions were slowing down. So he was in a, and and, and we hadn't actually depleted him for very long. It was a very short. Um, but aggressive fat loss, I guess, because he was quite lean to start with. You know, I think on the calipers, I had him around 4%, you know, 4 or 5% before we even started at, at 10 weeks out type thing. So I obviously stayed very conditioned. And retrospectively, I think the, the issue for him, and, uh, and I sort of missed it, I guess, as a coach, was he was probably in a quite a tight nutritional regime prior to starting with me, yeah. whereas normally they'd be a bit more liberal with their calories. So because he was so lean, and he'd probably be being, and essentially he might have been 10 months, 11 months of actually, you know, dieting per se, yes. uh, restricting calories, keeping lean, then I come and, and turn the wick up and push him harder, uh, and, you know, to the point where he had to pull out from comp. So... Mm. Um, you know, you can certainly uh, significantly impact uh, metabolism, and, and I was doing refeeds and all those sorts of things. But for him, it was just um, you know the, the stress of uh, the training and the the, the low uh, hypocaloric state uh, it was too much for his body, and his body started um, started uh, shutting down. Like his bowel movements had slowed, he, his, his weakness in his limbs, and it was really came mm. on quite acutely. So there were no sort of warning signs. It was all good, just a general fatigue under the show. And then, you know, things sort of over a few-day period really, really ramped down, and, and all these symptoms occurred. So we, again, foot off the gas pedal, refeed days, and um, he felt better. Okay, last depletion phase. Um, and then, uh, then yeah, a couple of days out from the Australasians, he had to pull out. He just uh, could hardly get out of bed. He was yeah. so weak. So really unfortunate for Steve, but but I guess that was a, a good example of, of what the body will do when it's when it's completely, you know, to the point where nothing's going to work. You yes. know what I mean? He's almost bedridden. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, retrospectively probably pushed him uh, a little bit too hard. But but in the overall scheme of things, compared to the other co- uh, clients, then he, he I wasn't pushing him um, as hard as what I, I pushed those guys. So, mm. you know, uh, I guess. Um, yeah, lesson learned, and, and uh, it was unfortunate he didn't make a stage because he was looking phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. So, mate, um, for the refeeding, just back to, to baseline or maybe a slight surplus. Mm. And I think that's 
one of the things that having looked at a bit of the new research and having this exposure to the actual science behind refeeds and comparing that to what actually happens in the trenches we sort of addressed how aggressive a refeed needs to be it doesn't necessarily have to be this horrendous surplus where you're basically force feeding yourself for yeah for the whole day or whatever just even just by the change of macronutrients and increasing the carbohydrate intake just to baseline or maybe just you know like you said 20 to 30 percent above so not a huge surplus that will be enough to to reap all the benefits of even just for the small window of re-stimulating metabolism thyroid leptin all that kind of stuff without then having excess spilling over into body fat exactly so yeah i guess err on the side of caution when you're doing your refeeds and uh yeah, like you said, you don't. It's not a free reign for the, the individual yes. to go crazy, like I did at Christmas Eve, at Christmas Day. Sorry, but yeah, it, it um, calculated that would be, and, and low fat, so yeah. low protein. Uh, it's just pretty much all carbs. So think yeah. uh, high carbs, some protein with each meal, but ultra low fats. Just trace amounts in the the proteins and, and carbohydrates. No additional fats. Although the first meal of the day, you could load intramuscular fat stores and load some uh, some dirty carbs in there yeah. with some fats, uh, Stefan Ionev style. But yeah, generally uh, low protein, low fat, uh, ultra high carbohydrate. <laughs> okay, that is uh, refeeds revisited. They've been working in the trenches. Bodybuilders have been using them for yeah. decades and decades now, so they still have their place. Um, yeah. And we're still going to use them. And we're still going to use them. But yeah. yeah, just interesting that they, they don't have as significant impact on leptin as what we what thought. We thought. Supplement of the week, Rawdon. Yes. <laughs> Shiver down the spine, Tom, when I, uh, you mentioned this one. So, Yahimbi. It's derived from the bark of some sort of tree in uh, Central Africa, I oh. believe. Uh, very, very exotic. Traditionally used as an aphrodisiac or for uh, male enhancement, oh. so to speak. It's, a, it's quite, an, it's quite a, uh, an effective vasodilator. I gather it's a, quite a libido booster. Yes, Good for the females too, for any of our female listeners. No. Yeah, write it in as part of the fat loss protocol, but with yes. a, a bit of a, a motive behind that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that's what it's, I guess, it's traditionally been used to, but it's also a stimulant, and it, from a fat loss perspective, it acts as an inhibitor of alpha-2 receptors. Now, Steph's going to, I'm pretty sure Stefan's going to go into the exactly. alpha-beta receptors on the fat cell. But so we'll um, keep the, that catchphrase, uh, alpha receptors, keep that in mind. I'm sure Stefan will go through the... Do you want to just so if the the catecholamines bind to the alpha receptor, then fat loss won't occur. Beta receptor will. So the yahimbian is going to uh, inhibit inhibit the alpha receptor. Yeah. So the the catecholamines will actually stimulate fat loss from the yes. cell. Yes. It stimulates the central nervous system, mm. and it causes the body to produce more noradrenaline. Adrenaline. These catecholamines that yep. you're talking about, and that will help mobilize fatty acids which can then be transported and oxidized which Stefan will go into now mate one of the things with uh yeah himbi and i guess this ties into what we've been talking about in terms of prolonged fat loss it's one of those supplements that you wouldn't just necessarily someone comes in to lose fat and get them on the yahimbi straight away it's one of those things that once a person is already reasonably lean and they've been on a fat loss journey for quite a while that's when it can be utilized to mobilize some of that stubborn fat um, but certainly you'd want to already have reasonably low levels of body fat and exhaust some of those, uh, just the more traditional styles of yeah, fat yeah, loss yeah, before like, you'd even think about bringing the ahimbi in. Yeah, like calories in, calories out. Like get everything, you know, control insulin, train, get some cardio in there. 
you know, higher increased protein intake, fish oils, do all that sort of stuff. This is uh, the end of your fat loss journey, looking for the, the final piece in the puzzle. Yep. Things like your himbin can be uh, used. But of course, you can't get it in Australia. So if you are in the US or other parts of the world that are listening to Under the Bar, which uh, I'm sure there might be one or two people that are internationally listening to this, Tom, mm. or you do go on uh, an overseas trip, you can certainly buy it over the counter in the US. But um, but yeah, like I said, I, I have used it. The dosage, I think it works out, I think 0.25... Uh, milligram per kilo body weight um check online for that one yeah. like i won't give you a, don't quote me on that one but it worked out i i had to have about 20 milligrams for 100 kilos yeah and that was that was a little too much my friend yes so, well this is one of the issues with your and why it's actually why it's not allowed in australia is because mm. the the dosage is not necessarily regulated it kind of depends on what part of the tree the bark's yeah. taken from and how it's actually processed and cultivated and all that kind of stuff so yep. Getting your hands on uh, on your himbi can be a little treacherous in that respect. I think in the United States, the FDA approved your himbi is quite strictly regulated, so you'll get a set amount mm. if you get a product that way. Yep. But I think otherwise, that's one of the issues okay. uh, why it's not available in Australia. I mean, of course, that, then there are a number of health concerns. Yeah, I mean, it does bump up it. the blood pressure and, and, and other sorts of uh, concerns. So for yeah. anyone that does have any health issues, definitely yeah, don't get any yimbi. Yeah, existing kidney, liver or heart issues or even mental health issues as well. There yeah. are some warnings around that with yimbi also. So the anxiety, yeah. <laughs> so we're not painting, yeah. painting a great picture of it so far. But I mean, like you said, the IFBB competitors, they're doing everything they can to achieve that incredibly lean physique yeah and so with those mate you would utilize your himbi uh in a fasted state on an empty stomach before that that fasted cardio yeah yeah for sure that's when generally i've used it myself yes and i've seen the the most benefit but yeah i I mean that i would do the traditional fasted cardio although i know studies have shown that it's of no benefit fasted not fasted but but again for me convenience first thing in the morning get your cardio done so it might be great that fat loss at another time of the day but you know (laughs) I'd rather get in there, get it done, get it out of the way, you know, get into my day and then train in the evening rather yeah. than worry about doing cardio at any other time. So, again, psychologically, uh, it's probably uh, uh, superior to do it fasted first thing in the morning. That's when I would traditionally uh, use it. Um, but again, uh, word of warning, <laughs> you know, touch of the himbi is it, it will jack up the heart rate and, uh, and you might feel a little... Yeah. Uh, anxious when you when you do consume it or if you do consume too much so definitely like uh, you said um, it could be a um, potency issue you might think you're having 10 milligrams but it might be 20 or 30 milligrams mm. so yeah just uh, always start uh, low dosage and, and titrate up but but yeah you can get online and um, google the effective but it works really well with uh, caffeine and um, uh, tyrosine yes uh, to bump up uh, a bit of dopamine there but that, that combo and obviously carnitine would probably help too so that little fat loss stack would be uh, quite potent quite effective yeah so yes. get that done on an empty stomach elevate those catecholamines first thing in the morning yep have all those uh, nice fatty acids mobilized floating around the, the bloodstream and just slowly being oxidized as you go about your morning and uh, beautiful and about the rest of your day and it sounds like it sounds perfect apart from yes. all the side effects all those hundreds and hundreds of side effects but <laughs> yeah. you know it is something that it is a supplement that a lot of people hear about so it was just a little bit yeah. of a few facts and figures and, and how I've uh, and yourself uh, have used it and um, how some of my competitors uh, have mm. used it themselves as well I can actually vouch for the uh, the male enhancement potency oh. the first morning after uh, my, uh, my, <laughs> my secret run Dubai shipment came in um, the alarm went off 
three new himbies down the hatch. Oh, jeez. Got up to do my various morning bits and pieces and get my warm water to have with my... Uh, uh, yeah, the salt. salt. The, it's nurture the adrenals. Salt and lime. And yep. uh, and there was quite a rousing response. Yes. Out of the blue. Out of the blue. From nowhere. <laughs> But I had well, nothing to do with it. Yeah, well. I had to get out the door and do my cardio. Yeah, well. Live and learn. Touch of the Yahimbis. Touch of the Yahimbis. There you go. Yes, well, we could probably have a Yahimbi segment on the Restricted podcast, oh, Rodden. Oh, that's going to be great, that Restricted show. But right now, we're spinning the Under the Bar Wheel of Fortune to give away that magnificently highly sought-after yes. Clean Health podcast. Very back. successful segment, this one. We've had many, many people uh, subscribe. And, of course, uh, Chelsea down at uh, the, the admin, admin manager just loves having to contact all of our winners and, yep. and sending out the podcast back. Yeah, well. A wonderful addition to her workload as well. Yeah, well, cortisol-inducing, perhaps. So in that podcast back, you get the deluxe Clean Health shaker with the compartment at the bottom, the stainless yep. steel water bottle, the drawstring right. gym bag, the cooler bag uh-huh. for all your meals, Valued at hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Yep. Cam, we better give this wheel a god almighty spin. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, Cam, really got into it. Stuck into that one. Certainly makes some noise, doesn't it, Tom? <laughs> Very loud. <laughs> Spinning around inappropriately loud. Yes. Ooh. Oh, hang on. Oh, we're getting right up to the. T- Ooh, 301. Let me just ruffle some paper as yep. I pretend so, to find uh, the, the number that I've got okay. here. Very authentic. And our winner is Christy Glossop, subscriber number 301. Round of applause there, Cam. Very good. Yeah, thank you very much, man. That's wonderful. It's amazing uh, how a single pair of hands can yes. create so well, much Well, that's run in the cafe. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's <laughs> enough. We are celebrities, yes. Christy Glossop, uh, you've got a podcast pack coming your way. If you want to be part of the... Uh, Hugely successful. <laughs> you go to the website, register your name and email, cleanhealth.com. Cam, have you been on there yet? Have you registered, mate? Forward slash podcast. How are you going to win? You've got to be in it to win it. Yeah. Tom. He's too busy sipping his flat white. Yes. That'd Which, be right. Fair enough. Oh yes, you you you're back on under the bar with uh, Tom and and Rawdon. Hi, Rawdon. Creamy, creamy. Look, mate. Uh, we normally have the um, uh, you know study a study. We normally yes. have that that segment, which is uh, you know we've had uh, all sorts of water. Yes, well, hydration we spoke about levels. Hydration levels. We yes. uh, yeah looked at organic versus uh, non-organic. That's study right. Study there. That was yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We um, I think this thing about mice. Uh, something to do with uh, mice mice grip, and strength. grip strength. Yeah, yeah. Well, hard-hitting topics, Tom. Hard-hitting, extremely you know, like hard-hitting. latest cutting-edge research, Tom. That's right. So uh, I don't have any. Have you got any sort of uh, well, one of our study? Um, one of our elite uh, level three super coaches oh. uh, down at the gym, uh, Nelly. Nelly Tatari. She sent through a, a fascinating article. Um, and she thought it would be appropriate for under the bar. That's right, and it is. Yeah. So we're basically looking at, uh, they've done a study on uh, researchers at the University of Exeter. Hold on, mate. Let me just get comfy. This sounds good. (laughs) This is quite meaty. All right, go on. Um, They've been studying the effects of uh, hydrogen sulfide gas uh, as an anti-carcinogenic. Well, that's that's handy. A lot of people... uh 
You know, especially with all the, the xeno hormones that Chelsea talks about. Exactly. Lots of cancer about. Exactly. So there have been uh, significant implications for future therapies for a variety of diseases. Yep. Basically, this uh, hydrogen sulfide gas produces a compound called AP39, oh, which, yeah. well, it actually affects the mitochondria of oh. our cells. So um, any stress cells uh, that are treated with this AP39, the, the, the mitochondria of the cells are actually protected and they, and they stay alive. Oh. oh, so the cells don't die, and that's obviously cancer, the cells die. And, and Precisely. And that's right. so, well, how do I get my hands on this time? Well, Where well, do you get it from? Well, Rawdon, the, uh, the, the hydrogen sulfide gas is produced when uh, bacteria break down food. Okay. And it's uh, so that in your gut. And it's yes, yes. Okay. Of course, that's what happens in your gut. Okay. Yep. And then uh, it's, I guess, known as the the pungent and foul-smelling gas that uh, comes out of your gut. What a fart, Tom. A fart, Rodden. Oh. A fart. Scientists have confirmed that smelling farts prevents cancer. So if you, you cupcake, you, you know, you cup it and throw it at your, your your partner. That's all good. That's right. That's all good. It's under the bar endorsed. Under the bar endorsed to uh, okay. to, to cupcake your partner. All right. And all I right. suggest you do. I mean, Nelly. Maybe we could cupcake to, uh, Cam. Cam. Oh, I don't think Cam, uh, Cam would take the cancer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to rot and die with cancer rather than getting cupcake. He'll take the all cancer. Right, and I, I know Nelly. I've I've seen her lurking around the gym. Just yep. you know, sort of. Uh, Sniffing around when yes. someone bends over, lurking near yes. the uh, near the disabled toilet door. Yeah, whenever you wafting it out. out in the morning. Yes, well, after the big dog's been in. Oh, well, you don't want to go <laughs> in there when big dog's big been dog in. After big oh dog's my been god! In. Well, I mean that would be like an anti-cancer chamber. <laughs> oh, mate. I tell you what, you would uh, cure cancer worldwide if you let one of uh, you know, yes. if you could harness if that. You could harness the power of the big, <laughs> the big, big dog. Yeah, big, yeah, yes. yes. McDonald, getting it done. <laughs> <laughs> Be good. It's <laughs> time to talk to Stefan Ionev. Yes. Yes, it's Under the Bar, the Clean Health Podcast with Rawdon and Tom. Yes. Joined by another one of our senior staff down at the CHPC I, today. I like to call them a super coach. Uh, well, you do. Yes. yes. I often refer to Steph as a super coach. Performance coach. Mm. Stefan Ionev, who is the education manager down there at Clean Health, and we've referenced him a number of times over the, the course of our episodes. Rawdon, there was a stint there where I was training with Steph. We've spoken to Larry Vanette, who was doing Stefan's programs for a period of time there yep, as well. Yep, also uh, Francine. Yeah, we had a chat with Francine Savard, who had also, Stefan, done a, a stint of programming with. So. Yep. Um, and he's one of these guys that really believes in the more you learn, the more you earn. Very yes. well educated, invests in his uh, in his ongoing education consistently and thoroughly. Yeah. And is like an encyclopedia of uh, wealth of knowledge, of health yeah. and exercise. Yes. You know, like uh, really, uh, he's a nerd. Yeah, yeah. He's sort of like a, an attractive stud-looking nerd. Adonis-like nerd. Yes. Steph, thanks for coming in, mate. Thanks for having me, guys. I don't know if I'm going to live up to that. Yeah, it'll be fine. We'll tease it out of you, mate. <laughs> Once you sort of relax into things, you yeah, I mean, you put the pressure on early now with that introduction. You'll be fine, mate. So, mate, right. we're up here to talk about a few things, right? So, yeah. one of your skill sets is designing nutrition to elicit a certain body composition goal. And uh, in terms of body composition, the two primary goals which our clients at Clean Health go for are fat loss and hypertrophy. Yeah. So, we're going to flesh out 
what goes into achieving these two. Yeah. Dot your I's and cross your T's with a fat loss and hypertrophy. Yeah, so the if fundamentals. We, if we start with fat loss, Steph, what's actually at a physiological level? What's going on? What are the steps involved in actually losing fat? Well, in order to actually lose fat, you have to go through three steps. First, you actually have to mobilize the fat, so you have to get the fat out of the cell. Mm-hmm. Okay. The next step is we have to transport that fat to the cell where it's going to get used for energy. And then the final step is once we transport it to the cell, we need to get transported into the mitochondria of that cell where it actually gets oxidized and used for energy. Yeah. So we're looking at mobilization, transportation and oxidization. Correct. Yeah. Excellent. Let's start from the very beginning then in terms of mobilizing fat. What are the key things we're looking at there? Well, the key things for actually mobilizing fat is you have to create a catecholamine response. So we have two primary catecholamines. We have adrenaline, we have noradrenaline. So when those two catecholamines bound to adrenal receptors on the cell, they actually stimulate a hormone called hormone-sensitive lipase, which then is what mobilizes the fat from the cell. Okay, so our primary fat mobilization hormones are these catecholamines that, that, that we class them. So I guess, Ruin, what, what's on the tip of your tongue is well, how do we get these catecholamines? Yeah, yeah, where do they come from? Yeah. Well, the primary way to induce the catecholamine response is obviously through exercise. Okay. Yep. There are other ways to do it, such as through caffeine um, and other pharmaceuticals. But for most of our listeners, we're here to discuss about actual exercise. Yep. So the higher intensity exercise will generally generate a greater catecholamine response. Okay, okay. And, and these catecholamines, they're produced by the adrenal glands, yeah? Well, actually, noradrenaline is released by the nerve terminal, so it's more localized. Adrenaline is released by the adrenal glands, so it's more, uh, has a systemic effect. All right, okay, so local, adrenaline uh, systemic, cool. Right, so what sort of intensity of exercise are you referring to that actually stimulates these hormones? I mean, we're talking about cardio, steady state, heat cardio, resistance training. training. Yeah. So what we know specifically, at lower intensities, we primarily release noradrenaline. Okay. Right. Now, in order to mobilize real stubborn fat, we actually need to have a very high catecholamine response. So we have to typically go above 80% of our max heart rate. That's when we m- increase both adrenaline and noradrenaline. Okay. okay. And then we're able to mobilize some of those more stubborn fats. Stubborn fats, I guess you're talking about for men around the midsection, yes. for females, the butts and thighs. And Correct. And okay, stuff. so okay. in terms of 80% of your max heart rate, obviously we know hit interval training, so a high-intensity burst of cardiovascular exercise yep. will do that. In terms of resistance training, you know, lifting at a high intensity or some sort of fairly metabolic resistance training, does that elevate the, the right amount it of It absolutely does. It's actually can be as effective if not more effective than the HIIT training because not only we're creating that catecholamine response we're actually damaging muscle tissue now in recovery that muscle tissue is going to require energy to repair and rebuild so for our listeners those people that can only say devote four days or so a week of training it'd actually be better to emphasize metabolic resistance training before introducing HIIT cardio okay because it's just going to give you more bang for your buck Example, when you talk about metabolic resistance training, what sort of just a something simple that our listeners? So, for example, you guys have discussed this on the show before: German body comp training. Yep. Yep. Or six, twelve, twenty-five. Any protocol which really will jack up heart rate will jack up catecholamine response. So we're talking about big movements, small rest periods, and moderate to high repetitions. Correct. Okay. Okay. That's pretty simple. All right. So there we've got a few methods there for elevating these catecholamines, these hormones which are going to help release fatty acids from a cell. Correct. Okay, so the next step is then 
transportation. So we need these fatty acids to get blood flow, Tom. Somewhere. Well, yeah, transportation is dependent on blood flow. Fats are transported to the cell with a protein called albium. And that step really is the rate limiting factor there is blood flow. So, Rawdon, you mentioned the stubborn fat, you know, in um, women's hips, thighs. Yep. We mentioned like in men's um, lower back, they're super iliac. Yes. Those areas are, lower back. Correct. Mm, yeah. are known to have like a poor blood flow. So that's one of the reasons why it's actually hard to lose fat from that area. Is one, we can't get the catecholamines into there yep. to mobilize the fat. But two is it's actually hard to get uh, transport the fat away from that site as well. So to enhance blood flow, to optimize the transportation process, what are we looking at there? Because I'm assuming, Stephen, we've got these three steps, right? And if any one of them is not working optimally, then there's going to be a, 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 a link in the yeah, chain that's missing. Correct. So any one of these steps could be the rate limiting factors for why we can't get the fat out of the cell and then and, you know, burn and use it for energy. So with blood flow, funnily enough, we know something that increases blood flow to those areas is insulin. Yes. But insulin is the antagonist of the catecholamines. It's actually a storage hormone. So it's actually easy to deposit fat into those areas because they're very sensitive to insulin, but very hard to actually get the catecholamines in there and to mobilize the fats. Now, there are a few strategies you could use. One is, like I mentioned earlier, very high intensity training will jack up catecholamines to a sufficient enough level where you can increase blood flow and mobilize fat from those areas. Mm -hmm. The second way will be to use a compound called your HIMBI. Okay, okay, oh. Himbi. Well, we've, yeah, we've spoken in touch with the Himbis. We have spoken about this before, and uh, unfortunately, you know, you can't buy it off the shelf here in Oz. But uh, for some of our international listeners, you'd be able to get your hands on the Himbi. And correct me if I'm wrong. That's uh, the receptors on the fat cell. It inhibits the stimulation of those stubborn receptors. Is that right? So what your Himbi does is actually inhibits those receptor sites, what's called alpha receptors, and the alpha receptors is the ones where it's hard to mobilize fat from those cells in particular. So we have two type of receptors on the fat cells. They're both adrenoreceptors. One's a beta receptor. That's uh, a good one. And one is alpha receptor. So mm. generally, any receptor on the beta receptor on the body tends to have a stimulatory function. So what happens is if I stimulate a beta receptor in a fat cell, I'll mobilize fat from that cell. If I yep. stimulate a beta receptor in my heart cell, I'll increase my heart rate, for example. Now with alpha receptors, they tend to have an inhibitory effect on the cells. So if we stimulate an alpha receptor on a fat cell, we actually impair or mobilization of fat from that cell. Stop that fat process, wow. So what we have to do, we actually have to inhibit the alpha receptors on the fat cells in order to mobilize fat from those real stubborn fats. So the catecholamines will bind to the the, the beta uh, And if the response is high enough, they'll actually inhibit the alpha receptors as well. Okay, cool. that's what your HIMBI does, it actually inhibits alpha receptors specifically. Nice. So it allows us to actually mobilize those stubborn, those stubborn mm. fats. Right. It can also uh, <laughs> elevate your heart rate to the extent that you think you're having cardiac arrest, Rawdon. Yes, yes. It's At our Tarman train station at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> to the point where you, you gobble 10 Uber mags to try and calm the body down first thing in the morning, yeah. Tricky. Among other things as well, yeah. <laughs> uh, boost libido too, the old HIMBI. No, look out. I was uh, very aroused as I was having my heart attack at our Tarman station. <laughs> It's very uncomfortable. Um, okay, mate. So let's right. have a, a bit of a chat about the oxidization process. So we've yeah. but we've mobilized fatty acids from the cell. There fatty is actually, acid- just before we move on to that, Tom, there is yes. one other way we can mobilize these stubborn fats is through a low-carb diet. So we yeah. know if we oh. yep. saturate the bloodstream with enough fatty acids, that will have a natural inhibitory effect on the alpha cells as well. Okay. So that will also increase blood flow to the area mm-hmm. and then allow us to mobilize that stubborn fat. 
in, when you say a low carb diet, are you saying well, there has to be a certain level of glycogen depletion from the muscle? So you need to go for a certain amount of days without carbohydrates before this mobilization takes place? Well, you need to actually switch over to fat burning metabolism. So there's enough fatty acids present in the bloodstream to actually inhibit the alpha okay. receptors. So essentially, uh, Stephanie, you're going from a, a carbohydrate burning machine to a fat burning Correct. machine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. So low carb, another uh, another uh, advertisement for uh, low carb nutrition. Low carb nutrition. Playing a significant role in fat loss. Cool. So yeah. Okay. Now the the I'm a catecholamine. I'm heading on to the uh, to the cell. Mobilize uh, the fat. Yeah. Fatty acids are on the way. Now how do they get into the mitochondria to be okay, oxidized? Okay. So there's an energy? enzyme called uh, CPT for short. Um, it's a carnitine-based enzyme that basically transports the fat into the mitochondria where it gets oxidized for energy. Now, Tom, you mentioned glycogen levels before. This enzyme is dependent a lot on our glycogen levels. So we know when glycogen levels are low, basically this enzyme is elevated. So we're preferentially burning more fat when glycogen stores are low. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, and you mentioned, I uh, heard an amino acid that I'm familiar with, carnitine thrown in there. Yes. So supplementation of carnitine, does that help the process? Well, from what I've read, you need to take a lot of it for it to be effective. Mm. In the vicinity of 6 to 10 grams a day. Look at that, that can be very, very risky for the uh, digestive system. For some. For, for some. some. So, yeah. I mean, look, the key is not to take more than 2 grams at a time and yeah. to use different forms of carnitine. That's where wrong, Tom. Is that where we're going wrong? 20 grams at once, boom. <laughs> just, a bit, just a bit of GI distress. Oh, very much so. All right. Okay, so the fat is being mobilized from one cell and transported to another place to then be oxidized. So what... Well, basically, it's going from the fat cell, which is stored energy, to a cell which needs immediate energy at that time. So Man. it's actually transported to that cell that needs the energy at that time. Which would be a muscular cell. Could heart. be a, Could be a heart, any type yeah. of cell. So, okay. Yeah. So where energy is required, the fatty acids will, will, will go there and fuel Correct. Uh, so energy. one thing we have to be aware of, when we are doing high-intensity exercise, like very high-intensity, what happens is the primary fuel we're using, though, is glycogen. Yep. Okay. But that's more effective for mobilizing the stubborn fat, whereas steady-state cardio, which tends to mobilize, I mean, not mobilize, oxidize more fatty acids for energy, typically is very ineffective for mobilizing the stubborn fats. Okay. So one strategy we could use... I mean, after high-intensity uh, interval training or you know resistant training, the body in recovery will start to metabolize some of those fatty acids that were mobilized. But okay. if we follow up that bout, metabolic resistant yeah. training, hit training or yep. hit training with a bout of steady state, we can then potentially oxidize all those extra fatty acids that have just been released into the bloodstream. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So That's I actually uh, do utilize this with uh, after having. Yeah. Uh, listening to you talk about this before, Stefan, and um, I call it uh, HISS, high intensity steady state. So you do the in, uh, hit intervals at the start, yeah. wherever you choose, yeah. and then uh, steady state. Steady state. Do you like to wait, uh, you know, five so, minutes so or so, about just let the. Five minutes okay. to allow the body to dump a maximum amount of those fatty acids into the bloodstream, and then you'll do your steady state bout. Okay. okay. Awesome. If you were to do that, that steady state cardio post resistance session, would you have any post-workout nutrition before you go into your steady state or you get that done if then the come back and the goal is to shirt? maximally oxidize body fat then you want to not have anything not have anything yeah. okay so to draw a practical synopsis over everything you've just said here yeah. mate in terms of what people can apply yeah. so we're looking at high intensity either cardiovascular or resistance training yep. Yep. followed by some steady state training the, the benefits of this will be enhanced if you have low glycogen levels. So we're looking at, so. at, at low carb nutrition. 
Yep. Well, the thing is, with low glycogen levels and low carb nutrition, you already have that natural inhibition of those alpha receptors. So then you may uh, not be necessary to have to do high intensity uh, training. But, uh, okay. I see. But so that's if you're the in thing. a lo low carb diet, you can get away with doing steady state as opposed to the hit glycogen fuel, then steady state. Nice. Excellent. Okay. Right. And just to finish off with that nutrition, I mean, how low carb are we talking? So typically it will be about 50 grams a day or less. So basically plants and veggies. Correct. For so the no, most part. Yeah, so no starchy carbs. Might be able to get a I mean, look, you get away with a little bit of... in there or something. Yeah. Small amount of resistant... I mean, starch, just for the resistant starch. Yes, which sir. is, I guess, fuel... You guys have spoken about this before, yep, but it's yep, fuel yep. for the bacteria in your gut. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. All right. So a little bit of resistant starch, so cooled sweet potato, something like that. Okay. But low, so sub 50 grams. All right. Fascinating. Excellent. So when you're looking at nutrition for fat loss, Steph, whereabouts do you... Where do you start? Where do I start? Well, first thing you start as is you actually want to figure out what is the client's BMR, or in other words, basal metabolic rate. Mm -hmm. So that's their minimum physiological requirement when they're at complete rest. Okay. okay. So bedridden, just lying pretty much so. So when that's the, asleep. the amount of calories they need to just sustain Survive. sustain life. Life. Okay. okay. Right. So you start from there. So in the lab, we measure this through a process called spirometry, where we tie attach a spirometer to someone and we measure the amount of oxygen they can consume. So okay. oxygen intake is directly related to uh, energy expense. It's actually quite accurate. Okay. And what they found is your BMR is actually quite determined on your lean muscle mass. So it doesn't matter whether you're male or female, how old you are, it's actually the most, 90% of your BMR is determined by your lean body mass. Okay. So what we do is we take an athlete's lean body mass, um, from there we calculate their BMR. So their physiological requirement at complete rest. Next. The next thing we will do is we will then factor in their activity level. So daily activity levels the next biggest contributing factor to total daily energy expenditure. So if you are, say, a uh, brickies laborer or some sort of uh, heavy workload, you would factor in a more calories for someone like that. Correct. Yeah? So typically what happens is the second someone wakes up, generally their BMR, even if they're a complete couch potato, will increase by about 30%. Okay. 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 So, so rel for a relatively inactive person or someone on a, say, office worker yeah. on an off day, you will times their BMR by about maybe 1.4, 1.5. Okay. Positive right. news for the couch potatoes out there. It's not all be the couch potato from yeah. time to time. Sundays. <laughs> oh, yes. Very potato-like. Oh, yeah. Blank Very much toes. So. Custard yeah. bath. And boom. On you go, mate. So you figured out the total daily energy expenditure. So we figured out the total daily energy expenditure. Now we multiply that by their BMR. So, for example, it would be a multiplication factor of, say, 1. maybe 5 if they're not training could be up to 1.7 or 1.9 if they're training twice a day or they're very active. Okay. So almost double their BMR. So once we factor that in, if someone's BMR is say 1400 calories a day, on a non-training day they might be, actually their t daily energy expenditure might be 2000 calories, on a training day it could be two 400 calories. Okay. okay. So that's the next thing we calculate. Okay, so, so you, you figure out training day, non-training day. Okay. How Correct. many calories they need for each day? At, and this yeah, is just at still maintenance. Still for maintenance, yeah? Pretty yeah. much, yeah, just to meet their requirements. Okay. 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 So then to apply a fat loss stimulus, well, what's your next maneuver? So then basically, if we want to lose, have the client lose body fat, we need to put them into a deficit. Okay. Okay. Now, for the most part, I would opt for a less aggressive deficit so you like okay, to gradually, in the vicinity yeah. of maybe 10 to 20%. Okay. Because if they go too far below what their physiological requirement is, basically what happens is the body still believes we're in hunter-gatherer days, okay, and believes food supply is scarce, we're going to hibernation, okay. so in essence, we start to conserve energy. Okay, so okay. metabolic down-regulation. Pretty much. Okay. 
so not too aggressive to warrant the, the body assuming it's in starvation mode and ramping things down to a grinding halt. So 10 to 20%. And then uh, how long would you run that 10 to 20? Is that indefinitely or like well, look, where do you It would actually depend on their starting point as well. So that's one thing we have to consider. Where are they starting from? If the uh, client okay. is, you know, eating two meals a day, starting at barely 1,000 calories, right. you're not going to take them straight away to... Cause you need to that establish actually, the baseline. Correct. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That 20% deficit could actually represent the relative surplus for them in relation yeah. to where they currently right. are at. Yes. So obviously there's, there's going to be fundamentals that you have to take into consideration. But let's assume they're okay before we get them. We've worked out BMR, training BMR, non-BMR. We've put them into a 10 to 20% deficit. Then what's the process from there to keep them progressing and stuff? As he just has a little swig of water. Well, swig? It's just a swig. An electrolyte laden BCA fueled water, no doubt. Or, or is it a refilled... Uh, that plastic bottle's been ah, sitting on the back seat of yeah. his car in the sun, we'll, we'll have to just topping that. up some, uh, mm-hmm. increasing his toxic load. Mm-hmm. Increasing, well, that's something you sound like you did, Tom. Bit of a German backslap, got you there, mate. Boom. <laughs> Boom. All right, so where do you go from there, mate? You're in that 10 to 20%. So the next thing deficit. we want to do is we want to work on setting the macros. So the first thing we'll look at is protein. Okay. okay so I like to set protein independent of the other macronutrients simply because there's a minimum protein requirement. Yep. And if we were say want to lower calories, if we set protein independently of the other macros, we can still keep protein at that minimal requirement. Okay, so from memory, Steph, we've spoken about this before, you like to keep that a pretty constant variable throughout the, the fat loss process. You like to, that'd be the last thing you manipulate. You're trying pretty to much, that. I mean, I pretty much keep protein at about three grams per kilo. Okay, cool. If you look at studies, that's roughly where at the point at which protein synthesis caps per day. Okay. Now, so that one will help retain the most muscle amount of muscle mass, but two, we also know the reason protein's thermogenic is because of the effect on protein synthesis. Okay. Yes. So that process itself is very metabolically costly process to the body. Right. So once you've reached that point where you've tapped out in terms of protein synthesis, any further protein above that but is, is once you've mapped out protein synthesis, you've basically capped out the thermogenic effect because it's protein synthesis that's creating that thermogenic effect of protein. Okay. So you, you negate the, the benefit of thermic effect of protein if you go too high. If you go cool. too high. Now, right, there might so be instances, set? say someone's training twice a day, they have an extremely high workload, we may get more. We may go four okay. um, per kilo. All right, so you've got your protein there. Now, what do you look at? Um, next nutrient I'll typically look at is carbs. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. So th- that would depend on what they're the training program they're doing, their workload throughout the day? You know, their body fat percentage, okay. um, their, their physiology. Typically, look, from my experience, most people tend to do best having maybe two or three out of their meals for the day with protein carbs and the rest of the meals with protein fat. All right, and uh, you mentioned protein carb, protein fat. I know there's an exception to the rule in intramuscular fat stores. Refeed would be an exception. Yeah. But you generally like to have protein carbs together, protein fats together? Not, not always. I mean, look, if you're in a deficit, and you know, say your physiological requirement for the next three hours maybe 400 calories, but yeah. you're taking 300 calories, it's not really going to matter whether you have fat and uh, carbs together. So your that, that deficit is still the significant part. Correct. I mean, okay. but when we are bringing calories up, or it's probably generally safer to keep the fat and the uh, carbs separate. All right. Cool. Okay. All right. So then, the basically you've worked out your protein, you've worked out your carbohydrates, and then I would assume fat would just make up the remainder of and the typically calories. Typically, fat makes up the rest of the calories. I mean, sometimes what I will do is I will set the total calorie levels for the day first, set protein level, then I will set fat, and from there I will do a carb titration protocol in which I'll start at low level carbs and gradually bring them in uh, as I lower fat, just to see what the optimal level of carbs that client can handle. Ooh, level Ooh, five type geez, stuff there, well, mate. This is 
what we're actually getting at here, Steph, is that the really tough part about being a personal trainer is sitting down to figure out oh. how to put a nutrition <laughs> is, plan together. That is tedious, Tom. Mate, if, uh, tedious. if you're talk to me, tedious. Tom. If you're going to work with that amount of precision, which we're expected to do down at Clean Health, you know, yes. we need to provide Very a high-quality qu- high service. Very high level. I know, Steph, and you, you, know, you know that I don't like doing work. No, 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 no. Uh, we like know, to fluff around on the under the bar podcast. Exactly, on. man. Exactly. I'm gonna get used to this, you know. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> so you've sort of come up with a way. You put your head together with Dane, and over a, a period of months, you've put together a, a software program which actually does all this for you, essentially. Well, correct. It's actually over a period of two years Ooh. after oh. the. There you go. Um, did the Miller Sarchev internship back here in Clean Health in 2013. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I basically, I really loved what I took away from that seminar. The, he was very precise with his nutrition and his programming, yes, yeah. um, yes. calculating macros, BMR, everything like that. So what I did is I tried to go away and put that together in some kind of a spreadsheet because once I started doing diets like that, it would take me an average of about an hour to actually do a diet because yeah. not only that you it's then complex. have to it is complex then you have to convert that to food quantities and basically yeah. or otherwise you get a hundred questions from your clients uh. if you don't write everything out for them on paper cortisol mate the cortisol in this room right Absolutely. now is through the roof going through the roof, <laughs> through the roof. my <laughs> adrenals gassed so what I mean that software evolved from basically an excel document where it would add one function add another function yep. you know and to the point where we thought, well, what about if we make this as an online uh, program where we can have basically uh, make it accessible to trainers to use where yeah. they could take the tedious task of uh, writing a diet program which could take an hour and condense it into something that could take five to ten minutes. And then the, the finished product is? Basically, it's a product we could created called iNutrition Pro. It's a revolutionary uh, nutrition software for trainers that pretty much allows them complete customization of their nutrition plans. but in a way that they can take them as little as five to ten minutes to write up a complete and comprehensive diet plan. Okay, okay. so completely customized nutrition completely plan, five customized. to ten minutes. And this, I think, is uh, interactive with the client, yeah? Absolutely. So the client can log in, they can uh, see their meal plan, they're able to change all their food options there. So they won't have questions at their end and it's less work also for the trainer because yeah. the client can will still be locked into their macros that the trainer has set yep. for them yep. but they have options to select different foods so they don't get the bland I guess so to yeah, speak yeah. I mean and that's always a, a concern even my clients I give them a ton of options but yeah now they'll have plenty to choose from they Absolutely. can pick and choose yeah. what they're feeling like so yeah. for example you've designated a protein fats meal for a client yeah. and maybe they want to have chicken and avocado one day for that meal and maybe the next day they like to have some eggs and steak absolutely so then what it'll do is still keep them within that amount of protein and fat for that meal but the quantities of those foods will actually just change automatically to match that those macros so they just they go into their meal they click on a drop down box select the food they want and Bob's your uncle there's a I was going to say voila Voila. then uh, the split will be there awesome and then so Steph you mentioned at the start the importance of starting with this BMR right so your basal metabolic rate you like to base that off lean muscle mass and go through a calculation and figure all that no doubt there's paper everywhere and you've got the calculator out trying to figure these (laughs) and you hate that I don't like working yeah that was you last night so I'm assuming the software does all of that for you Trainer will be able to input all the data into the software, the clients, you know, lean body mass, what deficit they want to set, what their activity level, um, okay. and then they'll be able to select their macros and how they split the meals from there. So, I mean, like I like to say, I'm lazy, but I'm functionally lazy. Okay, yeah. so the software. You do what you have to do. I do what I have to do. And the software has pre made templates there, which are 
completely customizable. So it allows the trainer to select a template and then it's just a matter of going in, tweaking one or two little things and then save, send, literally awesome. five yeah. minutes. Yeah, okay. that's amazing. I mean, that's but, if you actually think about that, I mean, our audience is broader than personal trainers. But yeah. If you think about the amount of time you spend fluffing around with putting together detailed programs for people, yeah, if yeah, that definitely. can be streamlined. So yes. you can focus on other things like podcast. Yes, listen to the podcast. Yes, because you don't have anything to do. Yeah, that, that's yes. when <laughs> business can expand. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. So, uh, okay, that, that's up and running now. The Eye Nutrition. So, yeah. uh, where where can any of our listeners go from there? What what would be the next if they're interested? Uh, what do they do from here? So, I mean, if they're specifically interested in software, if they're trainers, we are running courses. Okay. Uh, so I guess, I'll cut in there, sorry to cut you off. So I guess you, you still need to, we spoke about the fundamentals, we spoke about caloric deficit, surplus, yes. I mean we didn't talk about hypertrophy, but that's essentially the reverse of what you said for fat loss. Yeah. Still set up the BMR, then put it in a 10 to 20% surplus and go from there. Correct. Look at the macros and all that sort of stuff, pretty simple, it's not rocket science, but they still need to know those fundamentals. So. Um, yeah, talk to me about it's, that. Yeah, one thing, having the software, but then knowing, knowing how to use how it. To actually yeah. apply and just it. to maximize your efficiency. I mean, it's not going to take you straight away five minutes to write a diet. Yeah. That's going to take a few weeks of using it, getting familiar with yeah, it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But what we're doing is we're running a one-day uh, advanced nutrition seminar course in which we teach the trainers from start to start finish, I mean, how to create a comprehensive meal plan, okay. um, factoring all the BMR, calculating macros, using different type of nutrition protocols like carb cycling, carb oh, backloading. Okay. So, so um, all the tricks. Correct. And okay. then from there, they're armed with the knowledge to go and we also show them how to use the software to go and apply that knowledge and just to create a diet plan using the software. So it just streams down their time that they mm. spend doing that. Oh, mm. Excellent. So yourself and uh, Dane are running these uh, seminars on the on, and using the on nutrition. So yeah. I guess uh, you're covering the physiology of, uh, of fat loss, what's actually happening, hypertrophy fat loss, and then you're also going into how to design nutrition plans and then using the on nutrition pro, the new software. Correct. So we cover the physiology of the macronutrients. We cover base nutrition program design. Okay. We cover advanced nutritional methods and periodization. And then finally, we show them how to use the software. Okay. And I mean, we're running courses both uh, this year nationally and internationally. Nationally yeah. and inter- taking over the world. Taking over like the world. And, and within the coming uh, weeks and months, Steph, we might even uh, do a couple of webinars online for uh, our listeners who are in other yeah. parts of the world and can't get to one of the courses. Well, absolutely. That that's definitely a plan that's in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. And we are working on it right now. Awesome. And, and I guess if you think about it, Tom and Steph, one of the, the, the key, and um, certainly from my uh, experience working with competitors, which is obviously magnifies the need for no. manipulation and 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 get cortisol inducing for you anyway, and for me too. But I, I I get it done, like Steph said. But I guess that nutrition side of things is really the point of difference with what we do down at Clean Health. It is very detailed. We are putting method to the madness rather than giving them a nutrition plan, hoping for the best. Yeah, I've your seen heart. your plans, Rod, and you're pretty much periodized from day one. Yes, yeah, yeah. you know. But point being is, if 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 you could get a basic grasp on on nutrition understanding how to write nutrition plans effectively, understanding why you want to put it into a deficit, understanding the physiology, then you, you, you know, the results that you're going to get with clients are going to be you know, vastly more consistent and, and uh, you know, your success will be much better across the board. Mm. You know that that for me that's a, a big point of difference. You know, the ability to manipulate nutrition and, yeah, and understand nutrition. You know, totally. Um, cool. All right. Well, awesome to have you in today, well, Steph. Thanks and, very uh, much for having me. Yeah, pleasure, mate. It's I'm sure we'll mate. have you in again. And let's let our listener know that um, nutrition is just one of the many uh, facets of 
Stefan's wealth of knowledge and, and you know, give him a, a few minutes to rattle off the do's and don'ts with uh, hypertrophy and uh, strength training and, uh, yeah, he, he won't stop you talking. Know, you know, in so. all fairness, nutrition will be my least favourite topic. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. You really get him started on hypertrophy. Well, I mean, I mean if we want to go to topic number one, what about the five elements? You know, oh, training, training based exactly. off your neurotransmitter type. Definitely, definitely. Oh, so, Woody in here. <laughs> yeah. So obviously we will have you up at a, again to get you on the under the bar and uh, chew the fat in regards to all things strength training definitely, and hypertrophy. Definitely. Over to you, Tom. Cool. Well, that just about wraps us up. Wraps That's us great. up. Well, thanks, Steph. Thanks, we'll see thanks, you guys. Thank you for having me. See you back at the gym. Well, there he was. Steph and I and have clean health education. Wealth of knowledge, Tom. Took me a while to warm up. He was. I thought he'd be a little bit... uh, Out of the the gates, he'd be be, uh, impressive, but he was a little little rusty. Just a little bit nervous. I mean, it's it's the star power. Exactly. He's not used to the uh, star status that we have. We'll forgive him. But uh, yeah, fascinating stuff. You know, fat loss in three... In three methods, the mobilization, yep. the transportation, and the oxidization. Lots of shins. Those are shins. Yes. For the fatty acids. So fascinating to talk to him. And if you'd like to find out more about the iNutrition Pro software, yep. which he was talking about, it's wonderful stuff. It makes the light work of being a personal trainer, I can tell you. Yes. Uh, you can go to the Clean Health website and check that one out. Yep. Okay, mate. Look, the, the refeed method, it's still part of the toolbox. Yep. Although science might suggest that it's not as effective as, uh, as we first thought if you, you base it off the in-the-trenches results. Yes. And and I guess the, the, the tactic there is, is less aggressive, uh, less aggressive reduction in caloric intake and yeah. really be on that, that cusp of, uh, you know, uh, that metabolic rate, down regulation, and that starvation mode and, and still have enough calories in there. So I guess that would be the other alternative. Yeah. Yep. Supplement of the week was your Himbi. Oh, touch of the Himbis. It's a risk to reward style thing. It's for those latter stages of fat loss once someone's already reasonably lean. If, of course, you can get your hands on it. Yeah, <laughs> US. Send us an email through to the podcast. <laughs> you know, Rawdon will be able to yeah. hook you up. No dramas. Yes, yes. Um, that's when you might utilize that. Yes. Uh, any of your health concerns, don't use it. Yes. But uh, if you're all ship shape and uh, you want to push uh, that final stage of fat loss, definitely give it a go. Can be very effective. And that has been the show. Thank you for downloading another episode, and we'll see you again next week. See you then, Tom.